Hi, this is Ann Hill, and you're listening to Dream Talk Radio. I am in Philadelphia today talking with the one, the only, Ryan Hurd of dreamstudies.org. Ryan, thank you so much for meeting with me. It's really good to have you here yeah. in Philly. In Philly! At peak leaf season. Oh, man. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's all we got. So, we're going to sell it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it, and this is, so we're in your office. Let's explain to folks where you're at right now. You're... So I'm serving the Unitarian Society of Germantown as their director of spiritual development, which is the fancy way of saying religious education, but we are talking about Unitarians who don't <laughs> like the word religious, so we talk about spiritual. And so mm -hmm. I do lifespan uh, faith development for the Unitarians these days, teaching children and running workshops, facilitating things for adults, meditation, and I'm doing dream work here at the church somewhat. Uh, Fantastic. It's been actually, yeah, I've been doing some, I think I've seasonally been doing dream workshops here, and so I'm actually getting out there more. Wow, that's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's been nice. Uh, and we would be remiss in a UU church to not mention uh, the late Jeremy Taylor, who started here yeah boy i yeah i feel his i feel his loss i i keep his books here yeah and um and i every time those two you know circles of intersection come up i always bring him up because mm -hmm. as my mentor and as a teacher and he was really one of the only ones from the liberal religious movement that took on dreams as something um worthwhile yeah yeah, and really uh, had a, a profound effect on a lot of different spiritual communities, I would say. Yeah, because he was so, I mean, at the heart of it, he was just so ecumenical and open-minded mm -hmm. and really allowed people to just be them be their best selves yeah. Yeah. when he was with them. And that really always came out, you know, mm -hmm. when you're with him, that's what it was like. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it is it is Samhain. It is uh, it is Halloweenish, so it's fitting to nod in the direction of our men my mentor as well. He was the first my first teacher. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, I was his first graduate from the the Marin Institute of Projective Dreamwork. Whoa. So that was like nineteen eighty something. No, no, no. Oh no, that was uh, two thousand two. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> so that being said, it's great. I'm so happy for you that you've landed in this spot. Oh, it's a fun place to be right yeah. now. Yeah, I, I, I was raised Unitarian Universalist, ah. so in a way it's kind of coming back and giving back right. a little bit. Right, right. Uh, and, and um, yeah, it's, for me, it, there's so many growing edges, and mm -hmm. I gave a... Gave a homily just the other day in front of, mm. you know, 200 people. And it's just kind of keeps me sharp. That's great. Um, and it's wonderful to be in community with people who are seekers and yes. looking for truth and beauty, you know. Excellent. Yeah. Great. Well, we have talked several times in the past. We've talked about lucid dreaming. We've talked about sleep paralysis. I know both of those are near and dear to your heart. I oh, sure. know you've done work and research with galantamine and other uh, lucid dreaming aids and you've done a whole body of work that i i was sort of, i was sort of peering in from the periphery 
uh, with Apela Colorado about sort of the indigenous dreaming or uh, I, don't, I don't I think that's the term that I've heard used but I just kind of wanted to open it up because I know I mean both of us sort of have dream work in our hearts and we're doing other things and how how does that look how is that looking for you right now what are you yeah no working on so because it is um as you said, Samhain and, you know, the veil is thin. I'm running a sleep paralysis class right now online. And I love doing this class um, because how often do you get to talk about the creepiest, scariest nightmares and nocturnal assault? I mean, there's only a small amount of time in the the year that we can talk about ghost rape or, you know... um, the alien abduction or right. uh, all the other sort of fascinating, yeah. weirdly grotesque things right. that comes out of that state of consciousness. So I've been enjoying that a whole bunch, kind of dipping back into those into those grounds. And I always, every time, you know, I revisit the material, I move farther with it because sleep paralysis is so, it never gets easy mm-hmm. as an experiencer. I'm always testing, um, trying new things, mm-hmm. and yeah. But the learning's definitely like a spiral. <laughs> I kind of right. come back to square one, you know, right. like oh, okay, so maybe not so much that mm-hmm. technique. <laughs> when in you know confrontation with an autonomous other who oh, yes. happens to be on my chest in a you know right. paralyzed vision state, it's it's one of these things that 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 I guess I'm blessed and cursed with simultaneously. So I just do my learning out loud mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in community. And I find that um, people move faster and in a more grounded sense when we're able to talk with one another mm-hmm. as opposed to just like reading about it or right. digesting the information. Right. Um, it's one of those aspects of dream work that I think is highly effective to do with people. Mm-hmm. So how has it... How has your approach changed to sleep paralysis, or has it? I mean, how do you how do you characterize it when you've got a few people in a class who are maybe nervous to bring it up, or have all those, you know, that cluster of emotions? Well, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I I see it as a as a process, and I have have a, have a mapped out process of of going from fear to empowerment with with uh, that but I also at the same time model that I don't know everything and and share my you know my my stories the good mm-hmm. ones and the bad ones right. um, and and so we sort of learn together mm-hmm. uh, but I teach survival skills first mm-hmm. here's how to get out of REM paralysis here's how to wake up here's how to set boundaries here's how to say no mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> And then it, once we sort of have secured the container, so to yes. speak, then then we talk about moving into the other realms of consciousness that sleep paralysis offers, right. you know, as a portal, um, right. out-of-body type experiences or the lucid dreaming mm-hmm. type situations and the other kind of transpersonal things that come every once in a while, not mm-hmm. so often as we'd wish, but they do come eventually. So, so that's how I teach it. I kind of, mm-hmm. in, I layer it, you know, mm-hmm. safety first, security, very Maslow, you yes, know, we right. kind of like go through the, go through the pyramid. Right. Yeah. 
And so my approach is, um, I don't know if it's changed so much as I'm just less sure of the final outcomes. Um, you know, I still go through having, you know, extreme fear at times mm -hmm. when I'm in these states of consciousness, but I think that's just the way that it is, you know, mm -hmm. and so it's thinking of it as like, oh, this is an example of, you know, um, a liminal state or, or shamanic consciousness right. in a sense, and, you know, taking account of one's fears doesn't whitewash that away yes. because it, that's actually what it's made of. Um, and so that's, that's important. So I, I think I'm more humble about mm -hmm. it, I guess I would say, like 10 or 15 years later right. after talking about it for the first time. Uh, and I spend more time teaching people how to control for their expectation oh. and being safe mm -hmm. and then opening up to see what occurs. I see. Right. Instead of saying, hey, you can do ABC or... Instead of like, hey, you're in sleep process. Let's, yeah, let's try to um, call our ancestors right. immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the ancestors are a mixed bag. Oh, yeah. You bet. So there's a, there's a lot even with that. There's a lot even with that, yeah. So what do you, what's the first step you do? In terms of? It's like, okay, here we are in sleep paralysis. The, the main thing that, and this is wonderful because there's more clinical research that's coming out that supports mm. this approach. And, you know, by the way, Fariba Bagzaran, right. I mean, from a somatic, like psychological perspective, was talking about this 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, the first thing to do is to verbalize, I'm in sleep paralysis. Right? So sleep paralysis, defining it as that moment where we might feel like we can't move when we're just waking up from mm -hmm. sleep or going into sleep, uh, and sometimes that feeling of pressure on the chest or the throat, and then escalating to the sensed presence right. or the intruder phenomena, right. all the way up to supernatural assault, right. hallucinations, yeah. or you know, alien abduction kind of narratives mm -hmm. come out of that. So it's a lot. There's a huge... It's like so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, so the main thing is is to, to to be able to verbalize, hey, I'm in sleep paralysis, and this is a natural biological event that occurs sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's pretty much step one. And then I teach people to look back and notice that they can breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, because breath is often, if we try to gulp air in sleep paralysis, uh, it, the feeling intensifies. Right. So notice you can breathe normally and calmly. And, you know, breath control is a big piece of consciousness control. Mm -hmm. And so we become sort of more aligned once we, once we are in conscious and aware of our breath and, mm -hmm. and modulating it. Uh, and, and from there, I think you know, all best are off or what's next. Right, right. But so you're stable, you're breathing, you're aware that you're in this state. And then... Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Yeah, right. don't fight it. Right. Uh, you know, um, move with it. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the things that's coming out of the, the clinical literature that's being effective as a protocol is 
essentially emotional distancing techniques. So kind of like, oh, I'm in sleep paralysis. I mean, that's an emotional distancing technique. But thinking about something positive, Uh thinking of somebody positive that you admire, um, which is sometimes a hard pivot, (laughs) honestly. Uh, And so I also teach people about looking into like moving towards creativity, moving Mm -hmm. towards curiosity. Mm -hmm. So if curiosity is essentially greater than our fear, then then the possibilities mm-hmm. shift. That's a, you know, curiosity is is just so useful. Yeah. As a as a you know the first the go to, that's great. How wonderful! It's wonderful to hear how your te- I mean, it, it's essentially the same teaching, but it's evolved. Like you say, I I think I mean I'm in that group. Of like yeah, I'm way more humble about dream work now than I was when I started. Oh right. You know. Uh, who wants to be I and and part of that for me and maybe this is different for you but I feel like there was this um, you know the grassroots dream work movement kind of came out of the self-help movement which does have a sort of a weekend workshop uh, you know thought form about it and this is really it's a it's a year it's a lifelong right right practice and I mean, the same thing could be said for lucid dreaming, too. Oh, I feel yeah. like that whole topic, I'm compared to 20 years ago, much more humble about mm-hmm. um, both like what I want out of it and what are the possibilities inherent mm-hmm. in it. And um, there's, mm-hmm. you know, it's such a phenomenal practice, um, life practice. Yeah. Uh, and at the same time, there's so much that I'm not in control of and yeah. it's dream work still. And I think that's. Um, what I'm coming back to is I actually do have an interest in looking more at navigating lucid dreams in terms of meeting the dream halfway and, mm-hmm. and, and becoming more more conscious of, of what are we embodying when we're in a lucid dream, like what sort of conscious posture are we inhabiting. Uh, because those postures, as they shift, they shift the dynamic of how the dream responds, like in a mm-hmm. dualistic sense, dreamer, dream, dreamer, dream. Right. Um, we're all part of the same system, but right. you know, there's what I know, I know, and then there's everything else, you know. So, so I'm I have an interest in that more so than like teaching other people how to lucid dream. Right. Um, I feel like. I've laid all those tracks down, and yeah. and a lot of that work um, is being done really well by other people, and mm-hmm. um, and I've recorded some of my own, you know, teachings and talks about that. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of hoping eventually to package some of that yeah. more to you know, it's like an evergreen kind of way. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not where the juice is for me anymore. Teaching people, it's, ex- it's exhilarating to have someone who's your student go through their first lucid experience, yeah. especially if they. Pe- problems with it mm-hmm. uh, in the past and it, it, it's a nice feeling but I'm more interested in dreamers who have um, hit the roadblocks and um, gone down the dark road and mm-hmm. been you know sort of obliterated by by mm-hmm. their experiences and want mm-hmm. to come back with that sort of more humble 
So I, I guess initiated dreamers are those who have gotten their first wound almost. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, those are the ones that I, I'd like to work with more. Right. So I, I want to back up a little bit. Something that you said in the beginning of this um, about, uh, uh, correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but you, you were interested in who you who you embody as the lucid dreamer in the dream. Can you talk more about that? Yeah, so are you um, familiar with Ernest Rossi's work? Mm. Um, so he did, he, he was, a, I believe, a Stanford psychotherapist, still is, mm. I believe. Yeah. Uh, he wrote this work, um, oh gosh, probably 30 years ago, um, on thinking of dreaming as a co-creative process, co-creative meaning that you know, our set and setting, kind of like you would expect, say, an LSD session, right. what you bring to the table is going to affect the outcome mm -hmm. of that altered state of consciousness. Uh, and, and, and he really laid some groundwork there, and then Scott Sparrow picked right. up on that thread and has been working with it with different kinds of lucid dreaming sort of therapy. Hmm. Um, and then... And then that's how I also view sleep paralysis work as well. And so what I've been thinking about is, is really just a couple of different spectra of possibilities. Um, abstract reasoning versus like emotional embodiedness mm -hmm. as a spectrum of awareness, for instance. And that's one of Rossi's um, scales. Um, when we're in a very high intellectual zone in our head in the dream what you know comes up to meet us in that space right or if something from not in that space comes to meet us and then we come back at, with it with this high intellectual zone yes. what happens uh, and so there's kind of like appropriate and inappropriate responses sometimes interesting and you gotta be you gotta be loose and playful about it because you don't want to get into the space of i'm dreaming wrong or whatever yeah. it's more like finding one's special way of navigating um and so besides this sort of this abstract um and emotionality spectrum there's this another spectrum that's related to how active we are versus passive, mm -hmm. um, push versus pull. Mm -hmm. And so are we trying to like, control ourselves, control the dream, versus are we um, surrendering to the dream and, right. and letting it wash over us, and everything in between. Um, and there's sort of negative and positive manifestations of this. Right. So when you take those two axes and yeah. you put them up like this, what you get is this really interesting nest of ways of being. Right. You know, highly abstract, um, yet passive. Highly abstract, right. yet active. Huh. And 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 what is that? And what does that look like? And so I've been playing with this. I've been playing with this for about ten years. Uh -huh. um, and I, I actually wrote an unpublished book about this. And and when I did my lucid immersion guidebook. Right. It was a chapter, and then it became this, like, I just fell into a well. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to just cut it out of the book because yeah. I was like, this is, 
this is something else. Mm -hmm. This is, you know, it, it really came. And so I've been working on it with my own. And then recently I've been like, I think this might be a board game. Oh, how cool. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's not a book because every time I look at the manuscript, I'm like, uh, I don't know, but I kind of want to play with it. Right. Um, or what, you know, almost like it's a magic set or something. Like, yeah. Well, once you've gone down the path of the amulet, then what's left? Then you just <laughs> get a few different ones. Yeah, I, I, I am experimenting. I think there's different ways I want to play with play with dreams. And my son, who's seven, is really into Pokemon right now. And I'm like, and I'm looking at Pokemon, which is this, this, this universe, and it's it's a very, it's very messy. And it's like, how did they get so big? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, oh, these these kind of these game mechanics aren't really that difficult. Uh -huh. um, and and yeah, maybe maybe this could be a a new way to to play. Um, Interesting. So, so so that's been something that I've been playing with. That's I mean, so the my my kind of image as you've been talking is that that lucidity has kind of gotten richer in terms of in your practice, maybe, not just I'm lucid, what can I do or, or what is here, but I'm lucid and what are my what are the, my other states of consciousness? Am I feeling physically stimulated? Am I feeling mentally, you know, just like emotionally, just checking in on all different levels? So it's more of an invitation to deeper and more multidimensional lucidity yeah, right. And basically, it's like there's not one way to be lucid mm -hmm. in a dream. There's many ways to be, and and it, and of course, it doesn't just apply to lucid dreams. It could be applied to normal dreams. It's, right. it's what am I embodying um, in terms of my awareness? You know, um, so a really common, I guess, like posture for lucidity is is. Um, is abstract and active and this is like the approach of I'm going to ask a question to the dream right right so um so we're, we're pushing and and so that's an act you know an active mm -hmm. volitional you know choice um and then as well you know using verbal consciousness to right. to posit something um and and for that to be effective one then has to make space for that dream to answer yes. right and to, to make room for that um, but what when I read people's accounts of when they do this technique um, what often happens is something unexpected comes up and then the dreamer quickly becomes emotional huh. um, and it's like they switch out of a out of a high um, intellectual zone in, into an emotional place and then the dream just goes haywire hmm. or they wake up or becomes nightmarish and it's it's interesting to see what you know, to just notice the the ebb and flow of what's right. going on there. Um, and the other thing that this this sort of parsing of lucidity has shown me is is how there's marginalized aspects of lucidity. Um, so, like what I just described would be classically described as masculine, essentially, or the yang. Right. But if you look at say highly emotional ways of being that are also passive or mm. open um so you know moving into a sense like earthy you know this is this is feminine magical spaces mm. basically um this is more of the realm that 
that like midwife shaman mm-hmm. deal with you right. know these like right. uh, intense like tantric mm-hmm. levels of emotionality and um, and be able to navigate sleep paralysis spaces and mm-hmm. you know kali kind of you know right. creation destruction stuff coming up and being able to be in those realms but not get lost in them mm-hmm. uh, initiation zones mm-hmm. shamanic zones mm-hmm. uh, that's a style of lucidity yeah it's not popular you know uh, because it's not necessarily fun Right. You know, it's not having sex with your favorite celebrity. <laughs> uh, but it's a way of being, you yeah. know, of, of moving into the, into the, into the dream. Yeah. Um, yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my memory of those states is that just like in your favorite fairy tale, it's still always a good idea to be nice to the old lady <laughs> by the well. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and there's that um it kind of reminds me of the suffering servant. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the uh the biblical ways of uh, I think it's Isaiah or you know, where the, the divine will show up in the most putrid of ways, mm-hmm. um, grotesque forms, and it's a test for us to recognize the you know the i thou godliness uh in this interaction and that happens all the time in dreams all the time all the time it's there you know the 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 beauty and the gold is in the shit yeah that's something that jeremy taylor you know would would say and and we're this there's you look back and there's opportunities to notice that we just, we miss, mm-hmm. you know. And, and that's why I say to be playful about it because yeah. there's always another opportunity to have. Yeah. Because it's going to come around again. You bet. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you've got your gig here. You've got two adorable boys. You've got your whole family life. What's your dream practice like? How does that fit with the with, you know, what's happening on the ground day in and day out. Yeah, I mean, dream work is heart work for me. Uh-huh. So it gets done at the margins of my time. And um, it's it's not a financial thing necessarily, but right. it's, it's, it's a passion. Yeah. And, um, and I can see that that changing in the years ahead. Um, right now it's really nice to be grounded in in this place and in the city and um you know um but i miss travel there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that happen with you know with right. young childhood that that we're, we shift into other roles uh and so yeah it's it happens and it's funny because i'm busier than i ever have been before but yet i i it seems like i'm doing more dream work than i have in a long mm. time mm. um uh, one of the reasons why I went back into this work yeah. was because I had kind of boxed myself in, I felt, with online work. Uh-huh. And we were moving around so much for so long right. yeah. that it was um, a great way to doing, you know, internet marketing and right. everything that I was doing online mm-hmm. was possible. All I had to do was plug in and find a coffee shop. Uh, and I was becoming very isolated, though, socially. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, so it's nice to come back into balance with that. And and also to be teaching locally again. That's great. That's really great. Yeah. Huh. 
And you've landed in such a nice spot. Uh, speaking of spots to land in, I think the first time we met, you were living in Fairfax, in Marin. Uh, I could be wrong. But I think yeah, San Geronimo. San Geronimo, mm-hmm. right? San Geronimo. And since we've last spoken, you had this whole body of work and teaching around uh, the spirituality of place or dreaming the place or how, or how would you describe that that kind of so yeah I have this another thread to my work yeah. um, that comes out of my interest in sacred archaeology sacred places right uh, the archaeology of consciousness um, and how dreams intersect with eco-psychology, and I've had some wonderful opportunities to work with Apila Colorado and her uh, organization, the Worldwide Indigenous Science Network, Mm -hmm. and they've been networking with healers and shamans all over the world, doing healing work, doing dream work, doing ecological restoration work. Uh, It's happening in all different kinds of levels. Um, And one of the things that I've been doing with them is helping Wizen get into some of these landscape archaeology realms Mm. where they're able to network with other, you know, um, people who are switched on to consciousness mm-hmm. is alive and the world is alive <laughs> and um and and so we've 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 gone to portugal and presented on oh. uh, at archaeoacoustic conferences and since then they've gone to switzerland and um scotland presenting their indigenous indigenous dream work indigenous um way of looking at science mm-hmm. And, and that relates to dreams and it relates to consciousness and it's been really fun to, to, to navigate those spaces and and we'll be at the ISD conference together uh, this summer. Oh, nice. Nice. So um, we last met in, we went to France this past summer right. and went to Chartres uh. and, and did, as part of Wisdom University, I was part of their dream team and so we were doing basically it's place-based dream work and so and this is what dr colorado's sort of thing is is that we will we do dream work and then it's what is coming out of this place what dreams are coming out and we do collective Mm. collective dream work and so people get together they share their dreams and then we just notice the commonalities and see what comes to the surface and we do that over a series of days mm-hmm. and then like a narrative emerges because we're humans and that's what we do right. that's <laughs> we, right we tell, tell stories, stories. Uh, and then we present them to each other mm-hmm. and so that's and that's what we did is we presented the story of what is Chartres dreaming mm-hmm. um, for that group of participants and it was fantastic mm-hmm. uh, it was very deep very yeah. very deep stuff and 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 full of yeah, just synchronicities mm-hmm. and other those sort of things that you know that like oh we're on to something yeah. here. Um, we're not just making this up. Um, right. We're tuning into each other mm-hmm. um, and into the place. Uh, and so, you know, the larger realm of this is is 
is working towards this idea that, well, okay, well, in indigenous cosmologies, you know, the landscape is alive, and you know, the world is alive, mm-hmm. and trying to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are part of that. Um, dream work is a piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, sacred sites is a piece of that puzzle. Mm-hmm. Protecting sacred sites, mm-hmm. um, doing community outreach, um, community public education about sacred sites, increases the their ability to get preserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a lot of different components to that. So I mean, I, I as you're as you're talking, I'm reflecting on the. I've I've been doing a lot of, or, or not a lot. I have been starting back doing hikes and overnights. And I just find there's something so um, centering about sleeping on a mountain or sleeping in a new place. Like I don't know that I can really feel at home in a place unless I've slept there mm-hmm. on the, you know, on the ground, in my tent, on my comfortable sleeping bed, you know, all that. But just it, there's there's like that phrase ear to the ground. I mm-hmm. there's something about what you were talking about, just listening. The you know, then the world is always talking to us. Right, right. Uh, you know, and and so there's a whole thread of research that would be so much fun to have the funding to revive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the work that Paul Devereaux did with Stan Krippner mm-hmm. and Adam Fish. Uh, in which they were dreaming at sacred sites in the UK, right. like you know, um, circle, rock circle sites, um, you know, um, megalithic sites, right. and they were actually comparing those dream narratives to the same participants in their home narratives, and they found some very interesting things. But the but the data collection was a little irregular, so so they they could only go so far with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was enough to say, wow, this is an interesting m- method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because um, you don't need that method to know that this is true, that yeah. when we sleep someplace, we um, can feel, you know, be, be brought into that place in yeah. a deeper sense. Um, and some places takes it takes longer and, and, and we're not, you know, we are not accepted at first. Mm-hmm. I think that, that it can take, um, a number of days and, and perhaps some grace or I don't really know what the word is, mm-hmm. but, um, um, for the landscape to say, Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you belong here. And then, you know, boom, here's a download. Mm-hmm. You know, right. <laughs> you know, here's a big dream. Yeah. You go there with the expectation for a big dream sometimes and it's, Hey, I'm back in high school garbage land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. It's math again. Yeah. I loved that class. <laughs> Here I am at my locker. Uh, locked out of my own locker again. It Repetitive is. dream. <laughs> so, so there's, um, and you know, that, that kind of when it gets into the vision quest spaces mm-hmm. and, and right. people, you know, um, with vision quest and, and other indigenous perspectives, you know, there's a lot of preparation that goes into dreaming in a sacred place. We have to cleanse ourselves. We, you know, we specialize diets and mm-hmm. um, mantras or prayers or mm-hmm. you know uh, meditations, um, you know, like the Asclepian model, mm-hmm. right? You know, mm-hmm. and, um, in the ancient Greece, you they had to 
they had to purge and cleanse and, right. and do all that work before they were allowed into that inner sanctum right. to, 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 to have a dream of Asclepius right. or you know, the consorts. Right. And so it's not... It's difficult to make that happen within our busy lives. Yes. To how yeah. do we, yeah, how do we make that kind of space and time for that mm-hmm. level of ritual mm-hmm. preparation? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, to me, the, the constants, the, like the through line between dreaming in, in the ordinary life and dreaming there is there, the, I need to carry some version of please or thank you into what I do before sleep. Do you, do, I mean, is that, do you, do you have sort of pre-sleep practices in these? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, so gratitude work. Gratitude. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, um, that was something that came up today yeah. with the sleep paralysis classes. Mm-hmm. When we do gratitude work, um, we're, yeah, we're sweeping the path. Yes. Basically. Yeah. Um, to, because if we don't, yeah, and that's a muscle. Yes. That's a muscle that has that to, to basically be worked out. Yes. <laughs> because cognitively, it's very easy to never be grateful for what we have mm-hmm. and just think about what we don't have. Mm-hmm. And because that's just, yeah, that's just human suffering, the nature of mm-hmm. like resources and wanting to be fulfilled and blah, 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 yeah. right? So to, oh, reflect back at, at, to notice what we do have, notice our privilege. I mean, there's layers to it. There's social layers to it, yeah. um, not just like physical uh, yeah. layers. And and when we do that work, we um, contextualize and we make space for self forgiveness yeah. and, and make room for our, ourselves to be mm-hmm. imperfect. And, mm-hmm. and 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 then yeah, the world kind of gets a little softer on the edges. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a question for you, and um, for those of you who are wondering what the noise is, this is Dream Talk Radio. I'm Ann Hill. I'm talking to Ryan Hurd, and there are people outside the door, so that's what's happening. Um, so I, I don't want to sort of go into the, into the political realm. I mean, obviously, this is what I call a very dark time for our country and oh, sure. for the world. Um, and so I'm curious, without getting into chapter and verse um, as an intro, do you? I'm curious whether you notice anything different in terms of content, dream content, or uh, dream states on the part of your students or clients. Mm. That is a great question. I don't know if I have enough of a handle of that continuity to to um, to answer that. Yeah, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that um, politics is great for the nightmare business. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Are we getting short of anxiety-inducing things? Hey! <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly true that there's been no shortage of clients. <laughs> um, you know, but it's almost like what's happening now is crystallized. It's just so 
right? There's, there's, you know, there's like, there's one trickster shadow figure who's just like mm -hmm. eating the world. Mm. Um, uh, but it was always there. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I can't really speak mm -hmm. to it more. I, it makes me want to think about some of Kelly Balkley's work and, and with his with politics. Cause he, yeah. you know, he, he talks about how, how conservatives, um, you know, get better sleep than liberals do. <laughs> I don't know. It's just because they're counting their money, or I don't know what it is. But <laughs> they just don't worry about things they don't worry about. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Right. I sleep very well, thank you. <laughs> okay, just thought I'd ask about that. The other thing I know that you have just uh, come out with a sort of a revision of is your dream amulet. And for those folks who might be listening who don't know what that is, I think I mentioned it earlier and then realized, oh, people might not actually have a concept of what that is. Can you? Yeah, so, yeah. so speaking of how, I've, I've just been interested in making kind of dream art mm. objects for a while. And, and, and this came out of some of the sleep paralysis work when I realized that there was this whole body of literature of um, apotropaic objects, mm -hmm. talisman, amulets that people throughout history have used to protect their thresholds. And I became really kind of obsessed with, <laughs> with household archaeology and the way that, you know, um, medieval, you know, people would, you know, put iron um, horse shoes above their door and, you know, the Irish still do it. Um, whereas other people will, will bury uh, the skull of a horse mm. underneath their the boards of their uh, floorboards of their house, uh, and and other people you know use certain colors and then the witch traps that happen you know um, in, in again in like a European tradition mm. for for preventing you know dark entities from coming through the chimney like that whole. I just became obsessed with it and began noticing all of these fantastic amulets mm. uh, that that came out of the, like the Babylonian traditions and the Aramaic traditions. There's these like fantastic Sumerian mm. bowls that 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 people would inscribe to prevent Lilith demons from entering the house. And the Lilith demon is a demon that, that comes at night and paralyzes men and tries to steal their sperm. Wow. They, are, they are a sleep paralysis entity. No kidding. And so, we've, and so they would take these bowls and they would have a, a priest come or, or you know, a local healer mm. and bless it, and then they would put it in the house um, to protect the whole house. And so I said, I think I'll make, make my own. <laughs> and so and this came out of the second thread of this was the, was the, the uh, dream, what do they call them, um, out of the movie Inception, uh -huh. um, yes. where, where the lead character would have these objects to help people realize. He called them a totem. Uh, I don't like using that word because it's kind of, a misapplied mm. indigenous term, mm -hmm. but the, the the sense was is that there was an object that would traverse the dream world to the waking world, and you could test reality if I'm dreaming or not. And for and for and so for Leonardo DiCaprio's character in Inception, it was that spinning top. Mm -hmm. Right. He would spin the top, and if it kept spinning, he would conclude he he was dreaming. Of course, this is a terrible idea for a <laughs> totem because 
Because <laughs> it could just clunk over in, in a dream. In like, a dream. Oh. And you could say, oh, I'm, I'm clearly awake. And then go ahead and like miss that oh, lucidity right. good point. clue. So it's not, that's actually not a good one. Um, and so, but there are some things that we know about what make good reality checks. So, so I have a friend who designs coins for a living. He, um, he makes his badges for the military and, and sports fans and that kind of thing. And we designed the, the lucid talisman. And the idea is, is that it's something that you carry actively in your pocket or in your purse or what, what have you and, and basically use it to anchor self-awareness during the day and so am i awake am i dreaming am i awake mm -hmm. am i dreaming and it creates a cognitive habit of doing so uh, and we designed the talisman in such a way that it has enough sort of cool alchemical sort of bizarreness features to it that that it would it would show up in in the dream state and it does and it's so kind of, such a kind of cool thing is that it actually works in that sense if, if we're fascinated by that object and if it's weird enough it'll mm -hmm. show up in the weird gaps of our mind mm -hmm. uh, and so i'll have it i'll be dreaming and then the talisman will just suddenly like start hovering in my space in the dream and 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 i'll be like oh it's the talisman oh <laughs> it's right. the talisman you know and, and become aware that i'm dreaming mm. so it functions like that and then it functions as a um as an apotropaic device it functions mm -hmm. as something that that you can put by your bedside table and and you know it's it is a protective element you know mm -hmm. and so and so if so if i know i'm in sleep paralysis and i'm feeling fearful it's like oh but my talisman's nearby mm -hmm. and that's the kind of thought that is easy to come by in yeah. an altered state of consciousness yeah. um, when our mind is working on a different wavelength than it is in waking mm -hmm. reality it's amazing how easily you you realize did i lock the door uh -huh. to my bedroom you know um where's my talisman where's my bible where's my you know there's like the, the sacred objects right. show up in our space so that's that's it so now we've got the talisman as as a necklace and as a coin and you know as a sticker it's, it's, oh nice yeah. branching out i bought a yeah. bunch of talismans and given them all away as gifts and it's just been the coolest thing to gift people you know it's not something you would necessarily even if you're going into a curios or a collectibles shop or an occult shop it's not necessarily the thing that you would pick up but it's so um you can just see it sparking people's imaginations and curiosity yeah i think that's what i love about it is yeah. that people that i give them to they suddenly are really curious like Oh, how interesting. Yeah. This is like an invitation to something. Who knows what that will be. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, you know, and people will email me, is this really a magical object? And I'll be like, it's as magical as you want it to be. I mean, <laughs> you know, um, they, they, are, they are cool. And they ship all over the world. It's been fun uh, to see. I... I haven't kept, I don't have like a map of every country yeah. it's gone to, but I mean, it's gone to the Middle East and to, um, all over Europe and, um, and Russia and, um, oh, it's just, you know, it's gone over the world. Mm. It's, it's been really cool. Fantastic. So I've got another question for you. Who's, what, um, 
research by other people in the dream psychology shamanism space what really fascinates you now in that whole world the dream shamanism space psychology science could be well um i would say a kind of going back into this idea of the sleep paralysis state of consciousness as a shamanic form of lucid dreaming mm-hmm. that's just been miscategorized in a sense. There's some really interesting understudied aspects of what I would call sleep archaeology huh. that are just kind of waiting to get found around the world. And it, I, my entry into this is the Asclepian uh, climbed the you know the you know the the stone couch that the adepts would would sleep in um, or rest in while mm-hmm. while in the the sacred zone of the Asclepian uh, dream rituals and when you, I look at the the carvings and the drawings of what this what this practice looked like they always show the person sleeping on their back mm-hmm. and they and there's a little bit of a stone pillow to mm-hmm. um, to these couches and so the neck is inclined uh, I don't know something like um, 12 to 15 degrees or something mm-hmm. like that um, that's the posture that induces sleep paralysis right and it's not so realizing that Asclepius, these this cult that lasted for thousands of years. Yeah. One of the reasons it probably was so effective is because they had a system for easily inducing sleep paralysis hallucinations mm-hmm. in their subjects, and the way that they did it was by disrupting their circadian rhythms, mm-hmm. um, and then having to do a bunch of prayer and mantra and mm-hmm. and cleansing and just. They were eating only little bits and only the freshest of foods and nothing heavy. And basically, boom, down you go onto that that posture, that body mm-hmm. posture that that triggers not just a dream, but a, a visceral vision mm-hmm. of you know a sensed presence. And mm-hmm. with all that positive reinforcement, rather than seeing something creepy, they're like, oh, it's the goddess Clepius. Because it's a sacred space. It's a sacred space, and they're in a protected zone. Mm-hmm. And of course, this clepius came in many forms, so there's a lot of little bit of wiggle room there, right? right? right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could be a chicken or a dog, or you know, or a woman, or, or a small man, uh, or a snake, or, or yeah, right, or yeah. a snake, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of there's there's a lot of um, variability even that, but they were having healing encounters. And spontaneous healing encounters, you know, so they were, that's shamanism, mm-hmm. right? When we're talking about, the, you know, the, the placebo effect or the endogenous healing response where people are going in with um, maladies that, that even today um, Western medicine doesn't do very well with chronic pain, mm-hmm. you know, sexual incontinence, mm-hmm. um, um, back pain, um, um, 
migraines. I mean, right? There's just certain things that we just Western science still can't Anxiety. do. This is what people yeah. were going into Asclepias with these these chronic conditions and and you know and and having recoveries you know so hmm. so we would think and so anyhow that's not the only culture that has these sleeping couches ancient egyptians had them mm-hmm. um there's um some historical evidence um for like some east african tribes that 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 use these um very elaborate headrests uh-huh um and they also here you go. There's an angle of twelve to fifteen percent, and uh, and they're used in ritual settings, and so there's there's a lot to be discovered. I think um, with this idea that that the positive sort of the shamanic aspect of sleep paralysis is in the archaeological record, and we just need to go kind of find it. So that's that's a fascinating. I hope that somebody hears this and has some funding and, and yeah. goes and is able to like you know. <laughs> Uh, take that on. That's right. That's right. So dreamstudies.org. <laughs> you can reach Ryan there with your funding. <laughs> Not that you would have the time to do it. But some... I would make some time for that. <laughs> <laughs> he could be persuaded. All right, listeners. Ah, <laughs> uh, This is so much fun talking with you. Yeah. It's been far too long. Um, Tell folks what you, what you have as far as products. You still have your Lucid Immersion. Sure. So, so, I mean, so my blog is still dreamstudies.org, and everything else can be found essentially through that portal, mm-hmm. the Dream Studies portal. Um, but I still have a number of ebooks that aren't in print because I'm. Um, because I keep thinking, no, you know, I want to update it, and then maybe I'll put it in print. And uh, I like I like the self publishing for some of those because it's I like having control over them, and the information keeps changing. Yeah. Uh, so they're on my project list uh, to put those into print. But meanwhile, they're on Amazon. You know, you can download Dream Like a Boss. You can download the the second book of that, which is Big Dreams and Sigh and Lucid mm-hmm. Dreams and Borderlands of Consciousness. Um, Sleep Paralysis is about to come out into a second edition, the book. Oh, fantastic. It's coming out with a Spanish translation. Wow, cool. Um, and the second edition is going to be coming out probably before the end of this calendar year. Uh-huh. And it's it's updated in terms of the research. It's not so much expanded as it is just um, more focused. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about that book is that it's little and that it's just kind of, you know, people can read it and and do it um, yeah and so and so that's i stay true with that with the second edition just Fantastic. kind of updated and brought in the new research that's being done in the, in the neuro labs and the clinicians and so yeah so oh. that's that's really um the long short the lucid dreaming anthology that kelly and i did yes. is um you know still tell your librarian to buy it yes, because right. it's too expensive for most people, most people. um I finally got my first royalty check from them. Excellent. <laughs> After like six years, you know, uh, because it's really a library. It's a library collection, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's um, and it's nice to see that that work is influencing others. Like people are citing it and using it and oh, doing their great, own studies. It's a great collection. So I feel I'm I'm really 
excited that that's still out there. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. Um, happy Samhain, everybody. Sleep well. Remember to say please and thank you. And always be nice to the old ladies sitting by the well. <laughs> any other, <laughs> any other <laughs> dream advice? <laughs> Uh, just sleep on it. Sleep on it. Yeah, no matter how creepy it gets, just know that, don't worry, it'll be back next time. That's right. <laughs> do what you need to do. Keep breathing. All right. <laughs>